With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hello, friends. As always, this is Ed McGrogan and Steve Tigner here on the Tennis.com podcast. Uh, Steve, Friday before the WTA finals begins, there's still a lot also, um, you know, that that's happened this week in the tennis world off the court. Obviously, there is the uh, really the, the the lingering Nick Kyrgios story, which which certainly took on a life beyond the the tennis sphere that we usually see stories contained in. Um, there's also some, you know, early in the week you had Serena Williams calling it a season. You had and then a couple of days later, Rafael Nadal as well, announcing that he would be uh, done with his year. There's really a lot to uh, to tackle. I guess I'll just kind of let you go where you want to with it. What you know? What's the? What have you thought about kind of these stories thus far? Well, I guess yeah. In the past few years, there hasn't been as many of these stories of of the idea of the of the season being too long, and and you know, I felt like we were past that a little bit players still kept playing through the fall and, and there wasn't as much controversy about the season's length but this year it seems like we've gone back to to you'd almost wish the whole thing had ended after the u.s opening you know, obviously roger federer has been out now rafael nadal is going to be out serena williams isn't going to play uh the wta finals look sounds like djokovic would like to be out he's sort of you know limping to the finish line or lost some motivation uh even you know even nick Kyrgios now he's going to be He'll be suspended until next year. That really isn't a huge deal. Um, I think he missed just a couple of tournaments, but it does seem like there's there's a sense of again, as there used to be, a sort of almost let's get it over with kind of feel to the end of the season, which is you know it's obviously unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, I've always maintained that I'd love to see the you know the season end at the U.S. Open. It's not. I don't foresee it ever happening for many, many reasons. But let me, you know, one thing I did get thinking about amongst all this talk, and let me float this to you. And I believe you may be, you may tell me that this has happened before in tennis history. Uh, that one thing I would love to see and considered is if the tours ever wanted to, you know, with the WTA finals, the ATP World Tour finals. You know, to me, I would think it would be great if those actually kicked off a season instead of ended a season where you're limping towards these tournaments. There's obviously some major, major withdrawals on both sides. And if you did that, um, you'd really give the season sort of that opening day feel that I think it lacks with tournaments spread around the world, uh, you know, somewhat minor events in relative standing to to the others. Um, you know, you would have the focus on the tours. I know we're kind of getting a little off path here, but it's one thing that I think about now that is, 
you know, I think a lost opportunity and perhaps really a good solution to, to where we are. Yeah, I think the Hopman Cup has tried to bring that feel. It's a dual gender team event, a national team event that um, puts everybody together and sort of gets the season started in January. It's an exhibition in just a small tournament at the moment in Australia, but it does it does sort of have a good kickoff feel to it. Um, you do feel like some there was there would be a, a way to sort of get everybody together to start the year. Uh, you know, I agree. That's a that's a that's a good idea. I mean, if you could finish the year with the two tournaments together, it would add so much. I feel like both. You know, you you have the slam. The slams being dual gender you know, brings everybody. You know, gets everybody involved, and there's sort of a you know, it's a it's a tennis sort of uh, celebration. Those those four tournaments, but then you get to the the thing that holds back these these um, tour finals. I feel is they, you know, you go to dual gender, they, you know, that it does feel like there's always going to be something lacking that does, you know, it doesn't, it can't rise to the level of a slam because it's just, it's a group of players who we've seen together and been playing together all year. There's no, you know, it, it, it they definitely lack something. You can feel that in Singapore and even, you know, as good as London is, it's still, it's, it's still just eight guys. It's still just, it does feel like it comes a little, you know, it's a little bit of an afterthought. Which of these tournaments, in your estimation, given what we've seen on both tours with, as I mentioned, Serena, Rafa, Federer, you know, Djokovic kind of really laboring at the moment. I mean, I mean, what one of these is is really suffering the most in your mind from this lack of star power? Well, I guess... I guess you'd have to say Paris coming up. You have no Federer, no Nadal, um, and Paris and London. Really, I mean that's that's what that tournament, that's what the ATP Finals is about. The the biggest names, if you take out Federer and Rafa out of the top eight, um, you know that that puts a puts a damper on that. And the fact that Djokovic, and I think you know Andy Murray is kind of saving the day with his his attempt to get to number one. He's the one guy who seems to be thriving right now. And, and really wants to be out there, um, but yeah, I think I I think Paris will obviously suffer. London, I guess it will depend on whether on the Murray Djokovic showdown in, in London whether that can sort of override the Federer and Rafa not being there. You'd have to think that if it was if the numbers check out and if Murray has a chance to actually win the year end number one ranking in London, no less, um, that would uh, be you know. An amazing story in its own right, too, and that's you know something to keep an eye on. We're getting a little beyond. Uh, this is a few weeks away, but let's move to the WTA Finals, which which start on Sunday. Actually, draws were made today. We actually only, truthfully, know seven of the eight competitors. Um, it depends on Svetlana Kuznetsova's play in Moscow, which is actually going on. You know, as we record this here, she has to win the title to make the the uh, the field of eight. Uh, the rest of the tournament, the draw was made this morning in Singapore, and uh, world number one Anjali Kerber gets paired uh, with Halep and Madison Keys and uh, Dominika Sabokova also. I mean, you know, Serena's withdrawal notwithstanding, I, I, I do think this um, is another great, it's another great opportunity, I think, for Kerber to just, you know, really cap this year as a, as a beginning to end display of really you know a year that is 
is probably clearly going to be the best of, of that she's ever going to put forth. But I think I think this tournament has got to have a lot of significance for her, given all the questions she's answered this year and really the the run she's been on since January through almost all different surfaces in all different parts of the world. Yeah, I think you know obviously this has been a career year. Um, she's done it at, at big events, but now she now it's there's something you know, now it's different. Not only is she number one, but Serena's not there, so this is the first time where you feel like she'll kind of be carrying the tour. She'll be the face of face of the tour, and that's something we might something she'll have to think about, and we'll have to think about in the future. Um, she's never done much at the WTA final. She's been there. She's been there the last few years, but she, I think her record is two and seven um, against the best players. Uh, so in that way, it's another sort of challenge. She, you know, she didn't, hadn't started out this year having ever done all that much at the slams, and now she has two. But and so this is a this is another this is another sort of test for her, I guess. Um, and maybe the first time she'll feel like she'll feel like that sense of being being sort of the player to beat at a at a big event. Um, so in that in that way, it'll it'll be interesting to see whether her whether she can you know mentally stand up to that and whether her game is something that that works in that sense where she you know does she have the type of game that she can just she can just take over a match you know that, that's never been her style and that's usually the style of a number one player so we'll see what how she does against you know she's pretty she's in a good group um Simona Halep who's had a good season as well Madison Keys hasn't done much against Kerber but she she can she you know she can obviously beat anybody and Sabokova has, has also had a quietly had a really good year. You know, has won three tournaments herself. So that's a that's a tough foursome. Yeah, and I mean, I think about the round robin nature of this event as well, where you can <clears throat> excuse me, where you can afford a loss and still move on. I I, I think about trying to think, think about players who that may benefit. Um, you know, sort of games that uh, can be explosive, but on the wrong day can kind of go south. I, I do think of Madison Keys in that regard. Maybe this is, and this will be the first time she's in this um, this final season ending championship of the year. I, I I think for that reason, I think of her um, and kind of consider her chances a little differently given that format. Um, you know, overall, the rest of the field. I mean, who else does this, does this event strike you as maybe? maybe more important than others um, given either the way that their year has transpired or really that, that, that this is just maybe the opportunity of their career to this point. Well, I think somebody like Muguruza, she had, she had a good tournament here last year. She was on a good run in the fall this year, obviously not the case. She hasn't, she has, I would say been in a slump pretty much since winning the French open. Well, where does she, how does she finish out the year? How does she go into Next year, um, you know, where does she put herself? Last year, she put herself near the top going into 2016. And she and she kind of consolidated that by winning the French Open. But now, you know, what what are we? What will we think of her going into 2017? And how would she feel about it? I think this is an event. You know, you really her prospects don't look that good, judging by her her recent record, her form, but. But you have to feel like she can turn it around, and maybe maybe this is an, an event where that can happen. I think um, Sybil Kova, she's never played in this tournament before. She's had a really good year. Um, 
I don't know if anybody really even expected to see her there. She hasn't been in the top 10 for most of this season. Uh, you know, she's, she'll be an interesting player to watch. She's played well against, against um, Kerber. You know, she's, she, even though this is her first time in this tournament, she's an experienced player and she can, I think she can, she can stand up to those, you know, Kerber and Hallett pretty well. Yeah, and the only player, um, players we haven't mentioned this point, Radwanska and Pliskova, they'll be uh, with Muguruza in her group. Um, you know, I think an, also another good opportunity for, for Pliskova to, um, you know, became really, a, I think, a, a name for the first time to many, many fans at the U.S. Open, and we'll get another chance to watch her um, against, obviously, top-tier competition. Radwanska, meanwhile, we've seen for what seems like the better part of a decade now in, in spots like this. Um, former WTA Finals champion, I believe, if memory serves. So, you know, always obviously someone that you shouldn't be overlooked um, in a format like this too. Um, you know, let's quickly, I, I do want to get kind of your thoughts on Kyrgios as well, if you if you have, if you've kind of said everything about the, the WTA Finals there because – Curious, I, I thought just divided opinion so sharply within tennis circles and outside of tennis circles, he just generated opinion, which is hard, which I think is hard to do in, in both situations. I think a lot of people uh, saw the, the ATP's punishment, uh, the eight week ban, which could be brought down to three, get potentially given if Curious decides to um, go forth with the tour's recommendations, insistence on really seeking psychological help, it seems. Um, you know, some, I think, really found... At first glance, I have to say, I was... Given the history of, of the tour's involvement in spots like this and some of the situations where they really haven't interjected in and, and, and you know, either suspended players or put down fines or, or really just put down fines, I was quite honestly surprised at how much the ATP suspended him for. Um, I do wonder if this is kind of a, 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 you know, this is a stance Chris Kermode from the ATP wanted to really just get out in front of. Um, and I think, you know, given Kyrgios' history obviously doesn't help his cause whatsoever with this. Um, quite honestly, I, I, I thought, you know, in addition to this, that his decision to, 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 to bail on Rotterdam next year to play a basketball chair or uh, exhibition was, you know, also kind of really laughable too at this point. But, you know, I just, you know, seeing Kyrgios being in really the, the greater public eye for the better part of two weeks now, I mean, what are your thoughts on really the whole situation that he's in um, after really quite a, you know, honestly, actually a career year for him too? Yeah, I was, you know, I was, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised. I was a little surprised after he done, did so well in Tokyo that he would suddenly just tank a match in, in Shanghai. I should, you know, you really shouldn't be surprised by that. But there had been a sense the week before when he won the tournament in Tokyo that, and was talking about his physical training and how he was taking it seriously for the first time this season um, that there was some turnaround, but obviously not, I guess, I guess with Kyrgios, you know, the punishment was was strong. I think they want to send a message to him for the future. Um, they could probably see this kind of thing happening with him over and over. Um, and I think they, I think where he went a step beyond was not just tanking, but then talking about the fans, how he didn't care 
what you know he he really had no regard for the fact that fans had paid money to see him he basically blatantly said he didn't care about that and i think that's that's you know that's the the bad side the downside of somebody like curious what do you do with somebody like that they you know they talk about having him seek uh psychological help i mean can somebody help him enjoy his job can somebody help him enjoy playing tennis can somebody help him want to compete week to week you know week after week and and enjoy the the grind i don't know if that's a i don't know if that's something you can you can convince somebody of who doesn't really who has obviously said he doesn't really even like what he's doing that much um when i when i wrote about his that incident i i started to write some uh you know a sort of typical line of, that you can't have players not trying or insulting fans because there would be no tour if that was obviously there would be no tour if that if that was what everybody did but then i thought again you know curious i don't would curious even care if there was no tour like there's <laughs> hard it's hard to say what punishment would work against somebody who is upfront about the fact that they're that they don't love being a tennis pro um or you know and i think it's i think it's sort of a matter if he doesn't love competing week to week it's you know even when he's playing well or or, or winning matches sometimes he's up and down in matches you know he I, you know i don't know what exactly it is that he doesn't love about tennis is it tennis itself or is it just what would he like you know um and then how do you how do you discipline somebody like that that's i think that's the question yeah it's it's one that a lot of that i think is still being really discussed and all and i you know i am quite curious to see really what um you know he'll be coming back right at the heart of the um the Australian season at the Australian Open, most likely, which I think is is quite quite interesting. Uh, you know, he'll be at at the tournament where the spotlight would have been on him most greatly anyway, and really that tennis will get its first uh, time back in the limelight as well here. So to see the immediate response, which you know you could. I could easily picture it as the, you know, you could see the, you you could kind of read the articles already thinking about the return, the contrite curios taking, you know, taking stock of his situation. But, you know, even after that, it's, it's going to be a, a, um, a time where you're going to have to take the long view of, of Nick curios, um, whether, you know, nothing, not anything he does in January, is not representative of what he's going to be doing in September or October, as we've clearly seen already here. So, you know, even I, I don't think answers really come easily, even when this all shakes out by the end of this suspension. Um, and like you said, it's it's not as if he seems even really willing to kind of, um, you know, care about what those answers are. And also, I think um, I think he does. It's it's not like his career or his season has suffered, even though he's had a couple of times where he said he didn't want to be out there or he hadn't really been training that much. He said that at Wimbledon, you know, or hadn't really been into it at, said that at Wimbledon. Um, but yet he was almost in the top 10. He won three tournaments. I'm sh- sure he's won, you know, $5 million. It's almost as if the game comes a little too easily for him. He's, you know, he, he always has that serve. He's always got that athleticism or what, you know, no matter what he does. Even if he 
even if he has ups and downs mentally, he can always get himself out of it during matches. And he seems to be able to win and continue to, to improve or improve his ranking even while he's talking about how much he's not enjoying himself. So I think you have to wonder whether, do you think Kyrgios is going to change over the next 10 years? Is he going to be, you know, you might chalk this up to just a youthful, you know, a phase. But, you know, if if I had to guess, I I don't feel like he's shown any signs that he's going to feel differently about tennis in five years if he's even on the tour. You know, I don't know whether... You know, I guess that's the other issue is, is he somebody who who can change or who, who will want to? Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, as, as I said, a <clears throat> career season, you know, it, certainly it, it's worked to this point for him in, in some way. You, can, you can't deny that. So um, with that said, we will uh, end this podcast, return um, as the WTA finals move along next week. A lot of video coverage, by the way of the WTA Finals from Singapore on Tennis.com. Um, you also want to check out Tiebreak 10s. The, um, it's an exhibition that is taking place on Sunday in Vienna to go along with, really, tennis's efforts, um, as you and I have, as you've discussed before in the magazine, to really speed up the game. Um, this is a format that is... Uh, pitting six players, including Andy Murray, Sanga, Dominic TM, over 10, uh, 10, 10 point tiebreak matches. Really, a tournament that resolves itself in about two hours. Um, so, we'll have video uh, of that stream live and replayed on tennis.com all throughout uh, next week, and it's uh, live on Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern. So, plenty going on in the uh, tennis world. Uh, on the site and uh, all around. So uh, please return, check it out, and we'll be back next week for the Tennis.com podcast. Thank you again for listening. This is Ed McGrogan for Steve Taylor. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.